nosotros queremos construir el socialismo. Nos hemos declarado partidarios de los que luchan por la paz. Nos hemos declarado dentro del grupo de países no alineados, a pesar de ser marxistas-leninistas, porque los no alineados como nosotros luchan contra el imperialismo. Queremos paz. Good evening, everyone. This is uh, episode eight of Rebel Radio. I am Rab, and you are. I'm Jamie, uh, and I've got a bovro. You've got a bovro, class man. <laughs> I've got a Camden show off Juicy Lager. Aye, do they sell bovro in England? I'm, I, don't, um, I don't even know if that's a. I'm not being, I know you could probably get it, but like. I did mention it before to one of the people in work. About going to the football in the winter and getting Bovro, and they knew what it was, so I presume so. And they knew what football was or Bovro was? Aye, aye, well. <laughs> One of these guys from Manchester, but he's a Man United fan. Aye, aye obviously. Uh, how's your week been? Uh, fine, aye, busy, busy. Uh, work's picking back up. Still bold that there's no real football in, but we're getting there. More and more European games kicking off, so. Slowly but surely getting back into things. Aye, um, much the same, mate. It's, I'm kind of quite fortunate. I'm starting to ramp up a wee bit in work, which is keeping me going. But uh, aside for that, it's it's quite boring, isn't it? And we are genuinely kind of running out of top fives. I think in the next few weeks, we're going to end up being a, a top five, top fives. Uh, uh, there is a technical issue that we need to address. Um, for last week, we'd, we're honest, we have people, if nothing else. Um, we'd like to take this opportunity to apologise for the technical glitch. It took place in the second half of last week's episode. Um, I'd actually just generally apologise for last week's episode as well, but um, my dad phoned me and it turns out that the Anchor recording facility doesn't cope well with a phone call coming in. Um, so, yes. Right. Yeah, well, like to to that. No, I just I do apologise. It doesn't let us fix it after it's been uh, uploaded, unfortunately. So, I was kind of stuck with it and we thought it better off just leaving it out there. You can listen to it and choose to chuck it halfway if you really wanted to stick it out but folk have stuck it out and we thank you for it and we don't generally talk about each other uh, certainly not as much as we did last week but aye hopefully aye. it doesn't happen again today tell my dad not the phone is so good good so should we kick out for the news uh, no day of trivia first let's get this out of the way because do you want to do a bit of trivia because I was, was going to save that okay um, I'm, I'm going to be I've actually I, I think I'm softballing you a wee bit um, I think, we'll I'm, see I think I'm giving you a nice, a nice simple one here. Uh, if you don't get this one, I, I, I would be surprised. Celtic finished the league with their highest ever points total in season 2016-2017. How many points did they get that season? Oh, for fuck's sake. 16-17. No, uh, for a start, this is a family show. That's the... <laughs> this is a family show, so I'd appreciate your language. Uh, yeah, and I know you did the edit, so you need to get that beat to it because. Uh, aye, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my very, very best. Uh, I'm going to go with. So that was Brendan Rogers. So think about it, How many games have you dropped points in? I like hardly any. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> think about that. I mean, you could literally do the maths. I could do the maths, right? I'm going to go with 100. And I don't know, I've tapped my heat five, four. 
When did we drop points in three games? We dropped points in four games, my friend. Oh. And we finished the league with 106 Of course, no losses. No losses. So we dropped uh, points in four games. I think it was the Cali Thistle game we drew two each, wasn't it, in like the September? And then we went on a run where we just won every game up until basically we'd won the league, yeah. I think. So and I think Aberdeen took a point half, I believe, at, at home at Celtic Park. But I don't, I don't remember exactly. Uh, but anyway, we dropped points. So Rangers drew me as well that year. Um, so I basically, we, we, we just, 106 points, no bad, eh? Aye, that was, that was, that next that was a no bad. That was a no bad season. I quite enjoyed that. Take that next year. Um, so the theme, oh, well, I say the theme, but we're going to talk about later on. Kind of main feature of today's episode is the top five signings for under a million pound. But there's a new feature that I want to uh, that I want to roll out later on as well, which is the banter years moment of the week. Um, going forward now, we're going to take a, a banter years moment. Uh, it could be anything, basically, that's taking place on the other side of the city over the past eight years, and Lord knows. There's a there's a there's, there's a wide range of options there, um, and with that banter years moment of the week, we're gonna we're gonna kind of do a wee bit of a deep dive and have a wee chat about um, a wee chat about some of the stuff that's been going on over there uh, of late because it is quite interesting and certainly you know at the initial uh, you know the initial conversation that brought this up was was just looking through a thread of all the banter years moments that happens and uh, I just decided that it would be a nice be a nice be feature. But Aye. let's go on to the news. Eh? Let's go on to the news. Um, aye, so what have you got? Uh, this week uh, started off with the foundation donating another £30,000 to schools projects for uh, underprivileged families throughout all that suffered through all this COVID business, which is just another sterling example of the charitable work that's done at Celtic. Um, I think- I think that's yeah. kind of been lost a wee bit, isn't it? The, the half a million pound that Celtic have, have, have contributed towards COVID-19 response. Um, kind of work being done by the foundation and, and obviously the, uh, they've got their partners. I know that, that they work closely with the Glasgow North East Food Bank who through some rocks I've, I've got to know recently and, uh, and the good work that they do. So aye, half a million pound is, is a Big massive bucks. amount of money for a, for a football club, you know? Big bucks when you've got teams like Hibs who are going to potentially ask their uh, players to take a year-long pay cut. Well, I've seen the day that Aberdeen are thinking about doing the same. Mm-hmm. Aye, that's big guns as well, man. Aberdeen have got a big wage bill, to be fair. They have. They've got the third biggest wage bill, haven't they? Correct. As far as I know. I think the guy runs has got a few quid, don't he? The guy Mill. Aye, your man that's redoing all their training facilities and everything, he's pumped yep. a lot of money into that as well. It's contracting uh, work he does. Yeah, I just need to see everybody this Bob Rose. It's just if I hoped it was going to be. Good. I, I know it's a bit weird, but it's kind of. It just reminds me of still in a pit. James Gregory <laughs> Park, watching Arthur Lee beat the Rock 3 0 at home. We hang hangover and the wind's scalping off my face at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon as the sun's going down, you know what I mean? But um, I could memories, Good. mate, you know. Football's a bit. So there's been another bit of news. Um, you mentioned earlier on about uh, Donny Doncaster. He's uh, been put onto the ethics board that you ate for. Donny boy. <laughs> causing a couple of, it's causing a couple of people to, to implode a wee bit, isn't it? Say, uh, I Twitter's been fiery this afternoon, shall we say. So obviously, for those that don't know, um, people are a bit beat off with Doncaster at the moment anyway. 
I'll say people, I mean the Rangers supporters and Hearts supporters and Partick Thistle supporters. Um, I people got a bit peed off, uh, I think, with Doncaster and the SPFL in general's response to COVID and the challenges that, that, that that's brought in and basically the fact that they called the league so soon. I think there's only four leagues in Europe uh, that have called the league. Um, but what's happened in the past couple of days is that it looks as though Hearts are mounting a legal challenge um, against the SPFL uh, on for £8 million pounds of compensation. Have you been seeing that story? I have. I saw uh, another one this afternoon as well saying that the rest of the member clubs will vote to expel Partick Thistle and Hearts should they pursue such an exuberant or overly extravagant compensation deal. They think it's just mental. Well, they want it from the clubs. So that's what they're saying. Obviously, it's a member-led and a member-owned club. They're wanting their £8 million or their £10 million collectively from the clubs. Now, I don't think there's any real belief amongst Hearts and Hearts supporters that they're actually going to get that amount, but they did sort of state in their statement that that this kind of might end up being just a way of delaying the start of the new league season. So effectively, they're just acting to the detriment of the, the Scottish game. Doesn't it surprise me? Do it every Saturday afternoon when they play, man. <laughs> Nightmare. Yeah, aye, they are, they're absolutely mince, and the Jags are much better, to be fair. It's been it's been a bit of a, a work there, but it's a, a good Jags fan, and I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like being his shoes. Basically, two years in a row, isn't it? Or three, two relegations in three years, they've they've, they've suffered. Yep, it will have been. Uh, so I basically, they're, they're wanting ten million pound in, in compo uh, in total, and they're not <laughs> going to get it. And instead, <laughs> Donny Doncaster's going to going to polish his glasses and jump on a private jet to Neon. Where they live tax free, rent free, <laughs> uh, <laughs> winding up Scottish football supporters for for afar. Uh, I wish him all the best. He's been a great servant to the club uh, <laughs> for five years. Um, terrific, <laughs> terrific servant for Celtic. And he might actually be on my list of top five signings for under a million. I probably I don't know. Maybe we might have paid him more than a million. Well, not paying tax on it anyway. Well, that's true. Right. Definitely. I, anyway, any other news? I was like, a couple other things. Can I see just before we leave UEFA? Um, can I just the Champions League? The, oh, I the sort of arrangements for how that's going to be played. That's a cracker. Um, like I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be basically eleven days where they're going to play out the the quarterfinals, semi-finals, and final of the Champions League. So they'll be played in Portugal in a mini tournament, August 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th, the quarterfinals. Semis will be August 18th and 19th, and the final will be August 23rd. So get your days off work, uh, put it in, because that's going to be a doozer. I'm actually just looking just now, what date's that? That better be a Saturday the 23rd. It's a, it's a Sunday. It's <laughs> <laughs> mint. Um, aye, okay, well, that's not so good, but still, you know, you're watching the best teams in the world play against each other. You know, nine games, ten games in the space of... Uh, 11 days is, is cracking. Aye, spicy man. Be good. I'm up for that. Alright. Uh, so, my other news was just um, Damien Duff and his kind words for the staff during the week. Because Damien Duff had to, or he gave up his role at Celtic to go coach the, with the Irish national team. Mm-hmm. Um, which came as a bit of a shock, considering he'd 
progressed from reserves to first team in a season and then only a full season. No, you know, was that a full season he spent with the Well, pre COVID, aye. Aye. But it was a year because he was on the, he was in a dugout for uh, Tyne Castle away last year, Lenny brought him in, so that was in eleventh of February nineteen. He's basically been first team coach for a year. And then he's moved on and guy like him as well, he's talking about how it was a dream dream position for him to, to get at the time and everything and then it just looked a bit strange and now it's gone a bit quiet and he's come out saying that basically the, the staff are the best that he's worked with. It was every he loved every moment of working at the club. It was Have just you got one a quote in front of you? Uh, no. no right, so I was I was kinda of laughing when I read the quote because you're right. He speaks really well of the club and uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. He says a lot last week's episode. But he does speak really well of the club, as you say, and he sort of talks about the quality of the staff. But there's two things in it he says. The only way I'd have left England was for Celtic, I think it is. And then he says, and the only way I'd have left Celtic was for my family. Which leads me to the question, what would he do to leave his family? No, I'm sure it was the only way I would leave <laughs> Ireland was my family. That's when it was. The only way I'd leave Ireland is for Celtic. And nice. the, only, the only reason I'd leave Celtic was for my family. So we need to find that next thing that Damien <laughs> Duff would leave his family for. Because it sounds like he's got it organised. It sounds that's like he knows what his priorities like. That's the that's the final part of the trilogy, mate. Aye. The Damien Duff story. <laughs> um, I, I was I was really heartened to read that statement for reasons you pointed out. When he left I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, that's you know that's potentially a big character and a guy that I would assume the players would have a lot of respect for, given the playing career he enjoyed." You know, so when he left, kind of through the back door, never really said much. I was, was a wee bit worried, um, mm. but not only has he come out and made a statement where he speaks highly of the club, but he's come out and made a statement where he specifies why he enjoyed his time at Celtic so much, and also speaks so highly of of John Kennedy, which seems to be a bit of a theme, doesn't it? Aye. Um, Brendan Rogers was very highly spoke. He spoke of him very highly as well, and obviously Lenny didn't see the need to bring any of the old band back together when he took up the helm again. So, I he must. I think he gets John Kennedy does get a wee bit of stick. I think from some elements of the support, but he must. These guys work with him day in day out. They're not going to say that out of the, you know, for no reason. And it, it's uh, you're right. It is a consistent theme. I know that he obviously we've mentioned a few times before, but you get a chance to go into Leicester with uh, with their act, mm-hmm. and, and he declined. Um, he knocked him back and, and, and he said, "No, I'm, I'm staying at Celtic." And I've got a lot of respect for him for doing that anyway, because he'd be keep swelling about England just now. He'd be who he is, getting paid a fortune to get kicked out of the Premier League. Um, but he's not, you know, he's he's opted to stay up here and and, and kind of push towards ten. And I hope that if and when we we do the ten in a row, that he's he's rightly. Uh, Really rewarded, absolutely. I he's, he knows that the club have stood by him for a lot of his career as well. I mean, they didn't need to pay for any of the coaching badges that he wanted when his playing career was ended quite abruptly, and they've given him you know positions of relative power as well. And that yeah. he's he's taken them and he's obviously he's worked hard at it. And I think it's, it's a testament to the man where he, he wants to kind of pay back a wee bit and not just jump ship at the first opportunity. Well, it's always the one thing I did notice about him is when about maybe the first or second week in December, he's not at the games. Have you noticed that? I can't say that, no. It's, I've seen him, he goes to Dr. Richard Sturban's Christmas party, uh, the office party on, <laughs> yeah. uh, in Colorado. Yeah, and asked boom, for, boom. Um, 
So you get to get invited to a Christmas party for that one because Lord knows he spent a few years earlier, didn't he? Uh, trying to get that knee sorted. And it was a terrible shame what happened to him with Ion Guinea, you know, the, the big Romanian boy that Aye. had done it. But, um, but such is life. And, and as you say, if, if, if he's sitting there just now feeling as if maybe he owes the club something, then, or maybe no, he owes them, but maybe he wants to pay the club back, as you say, then, uh, then more power to him. And I hope he does. Right. Uh, lastly, the team of the year was uh, released this season uh, this week as well. I did. Did see you that. see it? Yes. <laughs> just the just the eight players this season. Um, it was a bit rubbish because the way they did the vote was for the centre midfielders, and you could only have two out of the three, and the options right. were Callum McGregor, Scott Brown, and Ryan Jack. So the, the kind of vote was split. Um. There's no way that Ryan Jack's a better midfielder than Scott Brown. I don't think Ryan Jack would say he's a better midfielder than Scott Brown. Um, and certainly last season he was the better than Scott Brown. No, um, but, aye. Do you want to run through the team quickly? It was, you going it? it was voted for by fans as well for him, I'm sure, wasn't it? Yes. So I know yeah. it was Foster and Goals, yeah. Rimpong, Ayer, Julian, Barisic, yeah. Jack, Brown, yeah. Yeah. Forrest. Uh, no. No, Jack no, McGregor, Forrest. Uh, who's not left? Elliot Was he? Yep. Surprised at that. Bizarre, isn't it? Didn't he play many games that you know? No, but I mean, he was electrifying for most of them, but aye, I thought there might have been scope for, for an R player to be out in the left. Probably no for, not a Celtic player, I don't think, to be honest. Maybe Christie. That's what I thought they might have done. But again, it's, it was a 4 4 2 and People might have voted for Christie and as a centre mid, or he's kind of split the vote a wee bit because he's not his actual position isn't he there. So I don't know what happened to that, but I I would have definitely had Christie ahead of Elon Yusti myself. Right. Uh, and Eddie and Morelos up front. Well, aye, aye, no bad. Yeah, is no bad, but don't know. I don't know if we had up there. It's been mince. No. Are we, are we going to talk about the transfer rumour mill or are we just going to patch that because it's mostly rumours and we're pretty much always wrong anyway. So. Well, I guess you've made a decision for you there, but I did actually want to speak about it briefly um, because I heard, I heard rumblings uh, actually through a family friend who may be close to the situation, and this is breaking news for you as well, uh, breaking rumours I should say for you as well, that the Aaron Hickey deal is done. Um, and that Celtic will be signing him and announcing it over the, the next few weeks. Um, Interesting. So that, that that indicates, obviously, that maybe Lenny's looking for a replacement for Hayes. Um, and obviously, you know, I keep being a left-back, I'm assuming we'd probably be getting shot of holy moly ball and goalie. Um, or maybe even Taylor. I don't, I don't think it would be Taylor, but imagine we get shot at one of the left-backs. So um, I'd be really happy with that if that, if that did come off. Um uh, for reasons I've mentioned a few times on here before. Uh, the other rumour was that Celtic have had an £8.75 million bid for Fraser Foster, rejected by Southampton because they won't be selling players until the conclusion of the season. Yeah, that's a real, real tenuous rumour because basically I just saw a tweet that said that. Um, <laughs> but I did note that a lot of the Premier League clubs seem to be in the same boat uh, and that the English Premier League the UEFA have done a couple of things to support the smooth running of the transfer window uh, this summer. One of them is that they've scrapped financial fair play regulations. So 
for the duration of this summer if you want to get a, yourself a, a a nice oil baron to come in and, uh, and, and, and run a mock. This is the six months to do it. And uh, the other is that they've extended the transfer market uh, window until the 5th of October. Right, I saw that. So that's going to be quite interesting because that's quite considerably into the season. Uh, and it, I guess it gives Lenny a chance to look at his squad, see where he's at, and then make a decision on to you know as to whether or not he wants to make improvements or strengthen. Um, so I that was a couple of couple of you transfer tidbits for you there. I mean, just in oil baron, but I think I'd, I'd be after whatever Chinese manufacturing mogul was behind all the paper, all the masks. I'd be after, I'd be after him. He's probably richer at the moment. See, I think I think if any foreign investors were going to come to Scotland, and, and, and certainly for China, they would shoot for Aberdeen, um, I, I believe, because if you remember that whole saga when the, the guys with Swansea went in, they changed the colour of the home kit from blue to red, because it was a lucky... Remember that? Yep, yep, yep. Because it was a sort of luckier colour. <laughs> um, I think they just go straight for the Dons, to be honest with you, mate. Um, <laughs> so I don't really know if, if we're in there um, with that one. But anyway, we've got our own uh, right. star <laughs> billionaire. He just as good as anyone. Jack Hendry's offski as well. Well, looking to be. Is he going to the Eastenders? Well, you going to join me with this one? They're interested. I'm moving swiftly on for that because that's two, mate. You've got one mare and you're out. As Eastendi, isn't it? He's been linked with. Yes. I wonder if he fancies that move. I I thought. When Morgan went to uh, America last year, I was thinking that would be a good move for Henry. Probably. He could get, oh, by the way, on the, on the subject of Morgan, did you see the, the rumours in the papers today about who's going to be lining up with next season? I did not. <laughs> uh, basically, what they're saying is that when, uh, the uh, FC Miami are into Miami's front three, a front two with a guy behind them is going to be Lewis Morgan, Cristiano Ronaldo and David Silva. <laughs> David Silver for us, funny. Um, so uh, that would be uh, that'd be quite interesting, I think. That's wild. Uh, so I they're basically saying that Daniel Sturridge would be up front with uh, James Rodriguez, David Silver, and Ronaldo behind him, and Lewis Morgan tucked in that sort of left, left kind of lefty midfield three wing position. Um, it's like a FIFA Ultimate Team, but you you've got some silvers and some golds, and you're just trying to. Put them all together. I wonder what the cap is there. I don't. I, to be honest with you, I'm not really that interested because I'm. No, don't care. I'm trying not to get into it. But I wonder what the kind of the administrative sort of cap is in that. You know, previously they've had stuff like that. So right. anyway, we've got a top five to discuss, haven't we? We have. Let's move on. Uh, so this week's top five, as I mentioned earlier on, we are going to discuss the top five players signed for under a million pounds. Now, again, this is open to interpretation. For me, I've only went with players that had a fee attached to them. I don't know if you've okay. done the same. I I've got I've, I have a selection, a very white I've got I've got much more than five and I'm just gonna amend the list as you go through yours. So wow. it gives, we could we can cover quite a wide berth of good players here. Um, I've got a couple of couple of um Bosmans. Okay. I, I was thinking that top five free transfers could have been a, a potential uh, a potential another top five when we get into that sort of Deep dark period Aye. in July when you know we're, we're, we're scraping the inside of the barrel that you know has been, it's been hauled out now for two months. <laughs> um, I was thinking that, but 
that being said, this is open to interpretation for a reason. You, you've got your creative influence uh, yeah. with which you can exert. Um, so basically for me, you know, just as a bit of background uh, from a football expert like myself, um, the first uh, million pound player, first million pound tra- transfer happened in 1979. Robert, can you tell me who that player was? A million pound. He's English. Horrendous haircut. Kevin Keegan. It's good, but it's not right. Uh, another horrendous. Nah, I don't know. Go on. Trevor Francis, my friend. Ah, that is a stinker, right? Trevor Francis made a, a move in 1979 and broke the million pound barrier. So basically any player that we discuss after, you know, in the next half an hour is going to be a player well, who came after 1979. Because otherwise, <laughs> what's the point? You can't there was no million pound players. I'm going to add a caveat as well that I used. I, I basically went from Larson forward. So basically I've just ruled Larson out of any of these top five going forward. Um, it's, it's, do you, have you ever seen that bit in Pointless where the last he says Henry Larson gets it right? Uh-huh. Basically, I adopt the same approach in this podcast and generally in life that the right answer is always Henry Larson. So yeah. when you've got a top five players, top five games you've been to, Henry Larson's name is going to be in this all the time. And I don't want you to listen to this and think I'm no thinking about him because Lord knows I think about him. But it's too easy to to answer Larson to these all the time. So I've decided to rule him out because uh, everybody would say Larson if you asked him this question. And what's the point in that? That's true. I also my, my logic behind it was that from ninety seven onwards, we started paying a million pound plus for players very very frequently, and if this is going to be a kind of a, a value for money type top five, then I think that's probably a good time to start from because we've signed some absolute dross for two and three million plus. Indeed, so, we have. Aye, so that's that's kind of what my reasoning was behind choosing for the 96, 97, 97, 98 kind of season onwards. So I, I went back then and have you look at that and actually I got one from before then. So I'll maybe start this week for a change Go if that's all right with you. Absolutely. Um, in 1995, Celtic signed somebody for Dundee um, and this man cost £810,000, which I'm sure you'll agree, in 1995 is no... Amount to be sniffed at. No. Can you tell me his name? Dundee Craig Burley. I'm going to pretend you said that, and I'm actually going to stop asking you questions because all I'm doing is going to get a chance to show your lack of knowledge up. That's a shambles. That is a shambles. Yeah, answer, mate. I'm sorry, I don't want to attack you in front of the a being crowd like this, but but that is a joke. Um, Craig Burley, instrumental in the 10 season, and you think we signed him for Dundee in 1995. Anyway, see if Craig Burley didn't play for Dundee, I'll be surprised because I seem to remember a Panini sticker album moving in a Dundee tap at one point or okay. some sort of navy blue effort. He was Danish. Oh, Morton Vicost. Big Vicost, a likeable big midfielder who had many injury problems, according to the Celtic wiki. Um, <laughs> The big man was some signing for eight hundred grand in nineteen ninety five, and they've actually obviously touched well on a, on a point that was that was relevant is that his, his Celtic career was sort of cut short or at least sort of quite substantially diminished um, due to injury. But that season when we stopped to ten, big recourse was in his prime. He was absolutely outstanding for us that season. And again, you know, when you look at the transfer window. At the start of that 97-98 season, Celtic went out and signed Burley uh, for Chelsea. By the way, 
went out and signed uh, Paul Lambert, who just won the European Cup. Uh, and they sort of supplemented, uh, and obviously the King of Kings himself as well, but they supplemented, you know, what was already a half decent squad. You know, Tommy Burns had put together a no, a no bad, a no bad team. Um, yeah. So, quick bit of background: he, he was uh, he was at Lingby in '89 and uh, moved to Dundee in '92, and uh, a couple of good performances later, three years down the line, he's, he's signed by the biggest team in the country, and uh, never really much got into the team. Peter Grant, Paul McStay, Phil O'Donnell, uh, and his injuries all kind of kept him at the side. Um, but then when the Tim came in, and that was it, he was he was off out the traps, um, absolutely sensational, as I say, season 97-98. And whilst he sort of fell away, didn't he's cruciate the next year under under mm-hmm. uh, Dr Joe, um, and he kind of largely fell away, he had a really successful career um, for a good three or four years after he left Celtic. Um, he went back to, to Denmark where he won the uh, he won the Danish Player of the Year award in 2003-2004. And I he was he had a really kind of promising career. He was he was still in he's thirty caps for the Danish national team, mate. Only um, Danish player he ever been sent off yeah. twice uh, for the national team as well. But there is I a moment there's a moment that I, I only learned about uh, during my research for this, which is that in two thousand three he was the Danish national team took him on a tour of Asia and he was given a penalty and he was the Danish team were awarded a penalty when one of their opposition players miss, thought he heard the whistle blow for offside and picked up the ball. So the ref blew a penalty. Big Morton walks up and just passes it back to the goalkeeper. Good man. What an act of sporting, what sporting, a sporting act. Sportsmanship. Um, so I basically he chucked it um, a couple of years later. Had a cracking accent. Apparently had an accent with somebody who'd lived in Lockheed all his days. Um, and has been... Uh, He's been back to the club a, a few times since, and always talks fondly of the club. So I, I'm, uh, I'm happy to have Big Morton in my top five. That's a good start. Yeah, haven't that's that? a good start. I did. Uh, I like Big Recost, man. Good player. My uh, quality. Uh, and by the way, Craig Burley played for Dundee in two thousand and three. So good day. Just a five year after they signed for us. Aye, uh, aye, you're right. Well done. <laughs> good. Uh, right, so for for my number five, I'm now trying to think. I'm trying to second guess what you're going to come up with. Don't. Nah, no. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to start with a really a good one, a very good one, a cheap, very very cheap purchase. A cheap beast, uh, as they call it on FIFA. Uh, it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I bet he he would be frightening on FIFA as well because if he's got one one stat. That is instrumental in being good at Didier Gat. It is. You <laughs> you know it. Do you know how much we bought him for? Of course I do. Because you signed him as a striker from Hibs for Aye. 50 grand. For 35, but 50 in total. I read 27. Oh, you're dumb. 27 Gs, maybe. Oh, what's that? Shekels? Uh, well, that might have been before any sort of add ons for. European uh, placement and all the rest of it, but I call it less than fifty grand. Let's call it that. I've got a, a I've got a Diddy Agat story that I want to tell you. So you wait in here because it's a, just a doozy story. You wait in here and tell us your, tell us your facts and I'll share it. Uh, that was pretty much it. It was just that he's been spot. He was spotted by Martin O'Neill um, playing for Hibs, where he'd he done he done like half a season at Hibs, wasn't it? And he'd ah, he's scored like. 
four or five goals in five games or something like that. Um, was frightening for for the highbies, and then it looked like he's contract. It was a short term deal, I believe. He was on at Hibs. It was unable to be renewed, probably because his agent got a sniff that Celtic were, were interested. Um, he nearly didn't sign as well because um, he's got a do- he had a dodgy knee apparently, which showed up on the the medical. But for a relatively small fee, um, Martin O'Neill decided that it was probably worth the gamble, which is. Fair enough, because it absolutely was. Um, we got five or six good seasons out of him. Um, I it still blows my mind a wee bit that he went and played for Aston Villa for a season after us, <laughs> when he was probably about thirty ish. Aye, aye. But I, I, I saw him. He came back and played in. It must have been Larson, the Larson and Petrov yep, game, two thousand twelve. Aye, and I mean. He's definitely lost that extra yard, put it that way, but <laughs> <laughs> he's been reduced to what looks like a, a decent two-touch uh, five-a-side over-50s player, but I uh, worked out unbelievable, eh? An inspiration to young right-backs like myself at the time. Well, there's a video I did here. There's a video I did here get. I'm astonished because they made the internet yet. Um, but if anybody has got the full 90 minutes, I would love to see it. And this isn't my story, by the way, but when Celtic played Sudova away, no, when Celtic played MTK Hungaria away in 2003, um, Paul Lambert, I think it was Paul Lambert, played a high ball over the top of the left-back who just chucked it and started walking back towards the halfway line because he thought the ball was going out for a bye kick. (laughs) 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 And a guy just raced past him. And you see him like, I don't think he saw a guy on his shoulder. I think, again, the ball was played so high and fast that the guy just thought, well, that's gone. And a guy just absolutely swings past him. And it's perfect because you see the guy just turning around his left shoulder and seeing a guy and then turning and sprinting around his right shoulder. And then the TV camera cuts back out for him to a wide shot. So you sort of just see the, the initial realisation and then the fear on his face and then the aftermath. Um, but I, I, an absolute speed demon. 99 pace, that guy had. Um, so, my Daria Gat story, I was in the Vale one night and I, and I heard a guy who was close to the source again telling me the story, which is that at the time in 1997-1998 when France won the World Cup, most of the French players were on peanuts. Um, most of the guys won the earning, certainly the guys that played in France won the earning any money. There was no money in French football like there was starting to be in England and even at that point in Scotland. Um which is why and how Wally Mackay, the, the sort of famous agent, made his money through through kind of just latching onto the back of French players. So he had, you know, guys for Scotland, but he also had guys like Pascal Chimbonda and Andy Fye and Charles and Zogbia and all these guys because, you know, he, he went to France and took advantage of it was a market that was massively being sort of massively underpaid. So... Willie Mackay catches wind of the fact that there's a former Montpellier player in England trying to get himself a club. Um, so Mackay finds out that he's on trial at Stockport, but then Rafe Rovers, sorry, and then he fails a medical because he's knee, similar to what you spoke about earlier on. So Mackay puts him in the back of a motor. It's two, two French guys. Puts the two of them in the back of a motor and drives them to Kirkcaldy where they get a trial for Rafe Rovers. Didier Gatt scores three goals in the first 20 minutes. The manager takes him off and signs him with, and signs him with getting him a medical. 
uh, of course, he goes on to score, I think it's 10 or 12 goals for Wraith Rovers the next season. Uh, and then you know, he's, he's quickly, six months he was there for, and he's off to the, to, to the Ibis. Um, so, I did he get stuck in the back of a motor and drove up to Kirkcaldy by an agent and then signed by a manager who didn't even want to give him a medical um, in the space of 20 minutes after seeing him. But you're right, he had a, a terrific career and, you know, obviously he's, he's involved now at Durham, isn't he? He's, he's taken That's over right. recently at the, as a manager at Northern League Division 2 side, so I need to try and get down there and t- take a wee game in there. Eh? Pink Panther Town, you know that? It definitely is. Durham, Durham. Um, right, my next one. Go for it. So three of my players were all signed within two years of each other. So I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna uh, start off with one of them and then mix it up by throwing it back 10, 15 years. Uh, I'm gonna go for uh, near Beaton. Yep, he's on my list as well. Six hundred grand for near Beaton. Now the big man's not always consistent, but when you look back to some of the big big games that we've played in the history, especially with the first few games after Rogers came in, was it ever present in that team? Kind of similar to Sviatchenko before he sort of fell out the side. And Callum McGregor sort of took his position uh, permanently. 600 grand for Ashdod. And uh, Beaton's one of the guys, similar to Denier, Gadetti, Roberts, uh, Effie Ambrose, um, you know, you name them. They've gone through Man City, basically. Mm-hmm. He was one of the guys who had a trial at Man City that, that never worked out. And uh, obviously Peter Lawley's son's a, a one of the head scouts there. And then uh, all of a sudden uh, he's, he's signing for Celtic. But when you look back on some of the performances we've got to him over the years, you know, playing in the 5-1 game, playing the 3-H game against Man City, big man on his day is cigars, and he's, he's very rarely a player that you look at and go, he cost us the game today, because um, he's just he's not the type to sort of inflict himself on the game. But he's just a solid, big, steady player. And for 600 grand, I reckon, I reckon we've got our money's worth with that one, do you know? Absolutely. Seven seasons, roughly. That just signed on for a testimonial season as well, hasn't he? So he's going to be here for... For ten years, basically. Brilliant. And he's he's utility a bit of a utility player as well. Anywhere through the middle of the park, sort of. I quite I actually enjoyed him playing at centre half under Rogers because because we had so much of the ball and we were always playing forward. It didn't give him the opportunity to just bounce the ball back to where he got it from if he was coming from midfield, which he was kind of guilty of an awful lot under the first yeah. under uh, Dialer for the first few seasons. And that just that really frustrated the life out of me where he would drop deep and he would have all the time in the world and he never turned he just didn't have that wee quick glance that wee awareness or he had maybe too much fear of giving the ball away if he took an extra touch and he would just bounce it straight back to the centre half mm-hmm. whereas if he's got that face in the game what a right foot he's got on him he'll find anybody on the park at all and he's the amount of I think he's one of the t- leading players for I think it's pack passes in it they call it the ones that take out Mm-hmm. lines, take out players that, um, uh, would you call them on the Moravchik guy on Aye, Moravchik 25 Aye. he hits you all the stats, I think he was, Beaton was quite high up um, with that and that's I mean, you pay an awful lot of money for that in today's game you certainly would and the other, the other aspect of Beaton as well is that the big man has never been in a shoe off a park like never Aye. once, like you don't hear any you know, he's, he seems very popular in the dressing room, and despite the fact that obviously there's been uh, widespread support, and rightly so, for the, the Palestinian movement amongst the Celtic supporters, and, and even that instance where they sort of put on the, the Instagram post, uh, you know, sort of showing his support for, for the Israeli Defence Forces, stuff like that, you know, he's, he never really 
ever seem to let any of that become a, a source of conflict for, for him or even the supporters. He's just always kind of been professional and, uh, you know, and even then again, when maybe Stefan Johansson left, known to the best of terms, and that was his, his good mate. Um, you know, again, nothing, you know, nothing ever mentioned or nothing ever really an issue for him. And I was, and you mentioned him playing at centre half, and I was encouraged to hear him say the other day that he uh, is happy to play there. Seen him happy to play anywhere, and and recognising that he's nowhere ever present in the team this year. But whilst he, you know, he is getting game time, he's not ever present. He's still happy to sign that new deal. Seems happy in Glasgow, his family, and again for six hundred grand, I think that's bargain. A lovely, lovely bit of business. Aye, definitely, absolutely. That bovel's finished, man. I could oh, get a kettle on. That oh, makes yeah. a great radio, isn't it? I'm a professional. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be waiting until I'll be waiting until we're done here. Uh, right. So next, I am going to go with Scott McDonald. I thought about him. Mm-hmm. I just kind of got a helicopter Sunday, mate. Mate, I know that took. I was angrily typing on my keyboard as I put his name into my notes when I was looking it up because I was like, I can't unthink it. But then I think about his absolutely phenomenal strike against Rangers. Mm. Um, AC Milan. Just oh my god, he's he, that was a good three seasons. That was a really good three seasons. Well, the first two in particular um, were excellent. And he, he did, he scored some break. I mean, he was over 30 goals this first season. And then 20, I think, in his second. That's no bad. That's a good return for just a, a guy from Motherwell. You know what I mean? Well, I'm going to say something just now that might, might be a bit controversial, but um, I think that after Larson left, he was the next striker that we had that could really kind of lace his boots. You know, now, I'm not saying he's on that level by any stretch of the imagination, but after Larson leaving, if you remember, we, went, we immediately brought in um, Henri Kamara and Janino, and that was the, the strike force that was going to replace the King of Kings to this day. I still can't figure out what Martin O'Neill was thinking. Um, and then the season after, uh, Strachan brought in Zadavsky, and to his credit, you know, done well for his, he's a 15, 10, 15 goal a season striker. But then we bring in McDonald and just in terms of pure goal scoring, that's the closest thing since Larson left that we had to somebody who could regularly produce uh, goals for us. And he was a big part of that team that, that you know that did the double. Um uh, sorry that, that did the uh, two in a row. Um yep. so I I don't disagree with you, mate. I think he was a he was a good signing and uh, and he speaks again, another guy who speaks well of the club, you know, and speaks well of his time there. But I just couldn't put him in because the helicopter Sunday, mate. I know. But I mean I I know, I know, understand, I get it. But I just that 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 goal that he scored against Rangers is one of the most underrated yep. old firm goals. Did like, we use that one? It, it was old firm. It was at the time. Aye, but even then, like you're sort of equivalent. Was it equivalenting as with them? Whatever it is, you're putting us in the same pod with them, right? I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in that pod, mate. Two thousand seven, two thousand nine. Do it. They were. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want a wee Scott Brown story? What one? Uh, aye, why not? Scott Brown, Scott McDonald, what am I talking about? Do you want a wee Scott McDonald story? Uh, that's even better, because that's more relevant to what we're talking about. I was flying back to China in June 2008, and as I still do to this day, when possible, take a copy of the Celtic View whenever I'm travelling. And flew out to Beijing the week after Helicopter Wednesday, the Tommy Burns game at Tanadice, and uh, Thursday, sorry, that was. And... I enjoyed my time in China and then 
was flying back and when I get to Dubai and jump on the plane for Dubai to Glasgow, who's sitting on the plane? Scott McDonald. So I waited until after the food service, the second food service before we land, when I walked up to him and my, I knew left, I walked up to him in my Celtic view and I said, is there any chance you could sign this for me? Because it was a poster of the team hoisting the trophy up. He was sitting himself and I wrote the back and he could not have been nicer. Good. He was such a nice guy. Um, I met Big Me Albie one time when I was in the airport and he just was totally not interested and it spoiled him for me. Mm. Uh, I love him still, a big god, but it spoiled him for me. Uh, Scott McDonald uh, was the total opposite. He asked me to have a seat next to him, had a wee chat with me, spoke away to his, uh, couldn't have been a nicer guy, couldn't have been you know, happy. He was asking me about Beijing, because obviously the Olympics are going to be there a few, you know, a month or so after it. Right. I don't know if I think he was going to, I don't know if he thought he was going to get in the squad about for it, but couldn't have been a nicer guy. Uh, so, I, despite the fact he did the helicopter Sunday, he was a, he was a nice bloke. Oh, that's good to know, because at least, uh, at least he's a sound. You could, I always thought he, he was a right mo- anytime the cameras were always oh. on him he was always moaning wasn't he <laughs> but he was he seemed like a pure nightmare to play with because he just wanted the ball all the time he wanted it and he just was never happy but I mean that's I guess that's a good good trait to have perfectionist um, demanding high standards and everything like that but I I just always thought he's, he'd be a pain in the arse indeed um, but again nice nice man class Um Shall I go next? Next. I have got another Australian for you here. Uh, I know who this is. Tommy Roggs. Right. 400 grand. <laughs> we signed Tommy Roggs for 400 grand for Central Coast Mariners. Um, that is <laughs> that is an absolute stonks bit of business. Right. Um, we signed him in January 2013. Um, he's one of the He must have been one of the only half decent players that... Uh, we signed that year because that was the year that we went out That's and signed Bucky and Bowie and all the boys. Um, Tommy Rogic, like when you think about individual Celtic players that have, you know, done it for us through the, the, this period of success, there are a few players you can look at and, and, and point to and say they're responsible for this, like you can with Tommy Rogic. Aye. He is like, you know, he's won 14 trophies with <laughs> Celtic, which is ludicrous, you know, and he's, he's kind of into that bracket with, with McGregor and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and Brown into and Forrest in terms of, you know, winning, winning, winning trophies. Um, all he's done is win trophies since he arrived, basically. Nice. And uh, he's still only 27. Well, he's just turned 27 as well. Well, to be fair, it was December, but, you know, he's, he's no, he's, he's, he's a young guy. We've still got the best years ahead of him, hopefully. Um, so a story about Tommy Rogic, you know, obviously his Nike Academy deal. He won a TV show, didn't he? He did. Uh, I, I watched that on YouTube as it came out every week. And not to blow my own horn here, but to, to, I, I saw Tom Rogic and I thought, that boy is a player, man. You can just tell when somebody's got a touch that, I mean, he's, he, he played a lot of indoor futsal when he was growing up, but apparently that's where he's got his touch from. And... It just that way where he, he just probably needed a bit of game awareness and he'd be fit and sharp. But I just I looked at him and I thought he'll play somewhere decent. I didn't for a second think that he would be anywhere near the level that he's got to, or he would be anywhere near link with Celtic. But um, I I definitely I, sp- I spotted him years ago. Just saying, just saying, mate. You calling it? I'm so calling it. You wrote to uh, you wrote to I, Lennon and I, the at scouting department. There we go. Aye, uh, 
player. Won that, won that TV show and signed with the Nike Academy on the 1st of January 2012. And one year and two weeks later, he signed for uh, Celtic. Right. So he, he must have done something. But £432,000 we signed Tom Rogic for, which to be honest with you, I would pay for that moment against Aberdeen alone. Um, but, but so many uh, big goals for us. And, you know, the equaliser at Ibrox after, you know, and then he runs out of the fans and gives them the shush, you know, the sort of, don't worry about it sort of stuff, you know. Like it's, <laughs> it's, uh, he's been a terrific signing for us. And he's a, a guy that, as mentioned before, he seems to be uh, constantly... Uh, Linked with, uh, with with leaving us, but so far no, he's, he's managed to stay. Right. I did I enjoyed that goal where he sent uh, David Bates right to Bundesliga too via the hospital. He scored a goal against Rangers and broke a Rangers player's leg. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the one move. can ever ever claim to have done that. And the one move uh, by on the best of David Bates's right leg. Um, we we got a trivia, we personal story about uh, Tom Rogic and, and me travelling. Do, do you um, do about travelling? And in, in April to in, in in 2014 in the Asian Champions League, there was a group drawn that contained three former or current Celtic number tens all playing against each other. So a group of four, you had Zheng Ji. When I say ten, no, tens, I mean tens as in like the position, no the no, the, the squad number. Playing for uh, for Guangzhou Evergrande, you had Zheng Ji. Playing for Yokohama F Marinos, you had Nakamura. And playing for Melbourne Victory, you had Tom Rogic. All three of them played against each other in the Asian Champions League group stages in uh, 2014. How weird is that? We're everywhere, mate. What can I say? Just the one of the wee twists of fate. And by the way, that is a, that is a feature I would love to explore when Celtic, current former Celtic players have played against each other. Because I bet you there's some right weird wee anomalies in there when, you know, Virgil van Dijk played against Martin Weekhorst or something like that. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be a few of them in there somewhere. Uh, I think that'd be quite a good idea for a feature. So if you're up for that, give us a wee shout and let me know. Right. OK, well, we'll work on that for the future when we run out of top fives. We're <laughs> at top fives. Um, you got another one for us there? Aye. Let's close the Tom Rogic tab. Uh, let's... The one... The only Emilio Izaguirre. I thought about him. <laughs> what a player, man. 600 grand. Seven, I got 700 grand. Uh, that, what a, for what, how many players this season? Uh, did they get twice? Once? I couldn't tell you, mate, but, but for a left back, one's, one's plenty. That's enough. Um, um, Tagba, wasn't first, it? First two seasons, he was frightening, absolutely frightening, and he had his leg break. Or was it no first season then leg break then came mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. and then when he came back he was unbelievable man done a Larson he was basically just a whole left side himself wasn't he aye for that because we played really narrow we played three through the middle and then that kind mm-hmm. of three-ish up top but it was uh, aye just giving the whole berth to run up and down and he did all day man I just powered up and down and I one of those ones where I don't know if he was good at crossing I just think that he just kept battering balls into the box and he had that many opportunities that he get that many assists just through sheer weight of numbers I mean he had a bit of craft to him as well didn't he and he was he was handy on the ball I mean he was he tidy enough I remember and I've said this before I'm sure when we were speaking but I remember watching the World Cup in 2010 and, and I remember specifically Chad Uri, and I was looking at him taking a throw in and, I, and he was having a right good game and I was thinking to myself why don't see like ever seen guys Countries like Korea and that, 
And then, of course, two weeks later, Lennon goes out and signs Chaduri and Emilio Izaguirre for Honduras and Efren Juarez for Mexico and, you know, really sort of became a bit of an international brigade, you know what I mean? Um, and it, I think that's what it was. I think at the World Cup in 2010, they've, they've done their homework, they've paid attention and, you know, the, the outcome has been that Celia have ended up with a, a right-handy left-back who is another one that just took to the club. I I mean, we got seven seven <coughs> seasons out for the first stint, and then another another one after a wee career break in Saudi. <laughs> a wee career break has probably made him about four million quid. Probably, aye. He, uh, I seen Paul the Tim today tweeting. I think Paul the Tim stays in touch with him, and he's back at training next week, so he's still playing. Good, try. Well, what age is he now? He must be thirty. Yes. No, he's older than that. Thirty. Aye. I thought he was much older than that. Can I can I just say and I'm and I'm no I'm no poking holes in your choice here, but Izaguirre was a nightmare in Europe. Like Aye. he was towards the end of his first spell, he was a total nightmare in Europe, mate. Mate, I hate to tell you this, but Celtic are a bit of a nightmare in Europe, so I know, but it's, it tends to be it was him and Lustig for like two or three years there. It was like every defeat in Europe of <laughs> exit for Europe could Aye. fall directly at their feet, you know what I mean? Again, and look what happens. Been... That's not been our strongest. Our strongest point of the years has been uh, midfield to forward. We've not really. We've always been a wee bit shaky at the back, and like when we get to that top level, we get found out. Well, and I don't know. I don't know. Can I tell you my next choice then? Uh, he's a player that wasn't found out too often in Europe, um, and he has a defender, and he has a fullback. Seen if he done the United. Mark Wilson. Mark Wilson, thirty-six-year-old Mark Wilson, only thirty-six. Surprised that. Um, Celtic signed Mark Wilson in January two thousand and six for six hundred and seventy-five grand. Um, <laughs> Mark Wilson was a was a really good fullback, and if you remember at the time, he came into a team there that had uh, a right-hand side of of Paul Telfer and, and Nakamura, um, and Telfer was a good, you know. Campaigner for is he? You know he never done as any harm. Um, Telfer, you know he was he was he was limited, but he, he knew his limitations, and he you know and he he kind of worked within them. I think he was thirty three at the time as well when he when he was when he was at his. But he was a good player for us, and he had a good career even after he left Celtic, playing for another five or six years. You know, went to Leeds in that, but the. Uh, the fact that Wilson was able to come in there within a season or so make that jersey his own, thought was really impressive. And he's another one that, you know, he, he rarely let you down. You know, you could see his limitations. He wasn't the fastest. He was you know, difficult to turn at times, but he would rarely let you down. And uh, I think for six hundred seventy-five grand, you know, we've, we've got a real player there. Absolutely, and as well, I mean, he nearly murdered Papac, so. He did nearly murder Sasa Papaj. <laughs> um, he went on. He made a right good uh, few here. He made a few appearances for us as well. Um, you know, if he, I think he was about 150 games for Celtic, maybe just a wee bit less. And no dissimilar the the route that Robertson took. You know, kind of going to Dundee United and, and and playing there, despite the fact he was from Glasgow. And he's, he's, he's kind of excelled at Dundee United. And I think he played in that Dundee United team that beat Rangers at Ibrox. Yeah. Uh, and then. Uh, signed for Celtic in, in 2006 and he's had a good career with so I um, but it was a spell as well where he played at left back if you remember when, when Naylor was injured that's right um, and he actually kind of ended up under Lennon um, even still kind of playing out there a few times and 
Another one I don't think Lennon minded him much either. You know, I think Lennon would, would, would trusted him. Um, and aye, he's uh, done well for us. Absolutely. Um, Currently the manager of Brecon City. Is he? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I thought he was just doing his media with Super Scoreboard and all that. Had you seen him for a while? Um, and I thought, wonder what he's up to. And uh, according to transfer market, no market, market. Um, he's a he's a he's a guy for the big and sexy. What the best him? Maybe go and see one of their games if see like the rock on the plane. Uh, I think I'll get a missile at you take that one. I heard above was good. <laughs> you better hope so. Uh, what are we at? Four. So Five? I've I've just done my fourth. Right, this you've is got, you've got two more. Big choices to be made here. I'm going to discount. I'm going to discount one right away because, as we've as we've addressed, it's not the Henrik Larsson show, and it's the easiest option. Uh, and I'm sure we could have a whole other pod dedicated to the man himself. So I'm going to I'm going to patch that, and I'm going to go with Paddy McCourt. Proud of you, mate. The Derry Belly. I'm proud the of you. One of, if not the best YouTube highlight reel on the internet. Can I? The fee for that was £243,000, is that right? Round about aye. That was done without the internet, mate. I'm just telling you. Wait, what? I did that with the Everly Consulting. Oh, right. I thought you meant the deal was done without the internet. I was like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't, but all right. <laughs> um, are you going to tell us a bit about Pagan McCoat then? Uh, signed from Derry City, 2008-2009 season. Took a while to break in. He only played four games first season. Then another nine the next. Um, chronic lack of aerobic capacity has held him back. <laughs> I think throughout his, his Celtic career, um, known to be very shy towards the fitness work or just plain couldn't take to it. Uh, but his footwork, oh my God. He's ne- the Derry Pelly nickname isn't an exaggeration. I don't think there's been a, a player... Celtic with better one two touch close control that I've seen, maybe other than no, there's no mate. Like, I, I don't know, no, no, to that extent. Like, like your, your levels and your knack as well, uh-huh. tremendous with the ball at their feet. And even McGee had really good co- uh, close control, but nobody went, nobody's gone by a player like Paddy McCourt like so easily. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's got that, nobody's had it. What was great about him, there's two things that stick to me, uh, which is, you mentioned uh, his aerobic capacity. <laughs> I reckon if Paddy McCourt was, was playing in the 50s, we would speak about him the way we speak about Betty Peacock or, or Charlie <laughs> Tully, because that's that's what football players would have been like. It was right. the technicians who just couldn't run the length of themselves, you know, and smoked and drank. And I think Paddy was just a wee bit of a throwback in that regard. If, if he'd have played 50 years ago, he'd have been, you know, he'd have been one of the best players in the world. Uh, but you know the other thing as well is I, I loved watching him because and I think the reason he was so good at drawing in defenders was because he just constantly looked like he was about to lose the body <laughs> like, he, he would just throw people off balance by the sheer fact that he was running at you with the ball just with the periphery of his of his comfort zone um, but then you put your foot in for the tackle and he's dropped the shoulder and he's off skiing. If you remember it, my favourite Paddy McCourt performance ever, and I had a bet with my wee cousin where I said, if Paddy McCourt, Paddy McCourt ever scores at Ibrox, I'll get his name tattooed in my arm. Yeah. And uh, my favourite ever Paddy McCourt performance without a shadow of a doubt was Sammy Sunday uh, at Ibrox in the in the 2-0 game because it's kind of forgotten about now, but Celtic went into that game with a, 
a bit of a mishmash of a team. <laughs> um, and Paddy McCoop was playing at left wing for us, and there was a there was a point where he, he put an attacker, and I think it was like Greg Wilder or Jamie Ness or something. I was like some you know sort of youth player for Rangers, and he, he chased him out and chased him out and chased him out. Then the guy put the ball a bit close, and Paddy McCoop went in with a slight tackle, <laughs> and the, the broom one went mental. Like <clears throat> it just sort of embodied that performance that day, and he was terrific. And as you mentioned, man, that highlight reel. Would put Neymar to shame, you know. That is unbelievable. <clears throat> it's just it's no respect for other professionals. Nah. Just none whatsoever. About ending careers and did you did you hear the story about how we signed them? Uh, I might have heard it on Side Ferry, I can't remember. I think it was a Dermot Desmond one. Where like Desmond basically said, like, you need to sign him. Like he's he's unbelievable. Oh, and Strachan right. was like, Well, you bring him there and I'll take a look at him. But it's it's Strachan didn't know who he was, like, you know, and just sort of it's like, I need bother then. But we, I think we get the best out of him under Lennon anyway, didn't we? Aye, definitely. He, was, uh, he looked as though he was arguably the best five-a-side player you've, you would have ever seen in your life. Ankle-breaking. You would, would have snapped ankles if this was... Big time. Up to eight. Uh, right, OK. Anything to add to Paddy McCourt? Uh, if you haven't seen his highlight reel on YouTube, I urge anybody to go and YouTube him right now, immediately. Stop what you're doing. Pause this. Um, okay, I've got yeah. another attacking player Go on then. for next. you. Next, uh, my fifth and final, uh, and I'll be very surprised if you don't have him there. But it was mm-hmm. Chris Commons. Uh, I didn't actually. I don't know why. I must have either just glossed over him, or I can't be asked by him anymore. To be honest. So, similar to McDonald, um, there's a kind of element with Chris Commons. There's Chris Commons, the Celtic player, who was a terrific Celtic player. Right. It's Chris Collins, that wee bugger that's you know speaking about the club constantly on you know in, on Sky because it's just that Sky production as we spoke about before is absolutely Hiroshima. It's heinous. Um, Chris Collins, in terms of bang for your buck, might be one of the best signings that Celtic have ever made, um, and I, and I don't say that lightly. He scored an unbelievable number of goals for Celtic for somebody you know that that was a. Uh, that was playing attacking midfield and cost us three hundred grand. He made one hundred and forty nine appearances for us and scored sixty. Uh, excuse me, uh, sixty five goals. You know that's big numbers. You know what I mean? Aye. Like for for a guy that's playing at attacking midfield. Um, and another so, guy can he run the length himself? Can run the length himself. For issues, I think it's fair to say we wait for the duration his time at the club. Um, but it was just a guy that for three hundred grand. You, know, you, you wouldn't have believed that, you know, in that season, he scored 27 league goals in one season. Uh, finished the top goal scorer on Scotland with 32 goals in total in 13-14. And in that same season, he got the Players Football Raiders, Player Football Association Player of the Year and uh, the, uh, the actual Player of the Year award as well. So he's, you know, he's, he's just run amok. And, hi, it was, uh, it was weird. He was a slow burner. Uh, no dissimilar to McCourt that you mentioned a minute ago. He signed for us, um, I think it was 2011, he signed for us. And he scored on his debut, if you remember. Um, he scored in, in his, at Hamden, the Scottish Cup. But then he sort of fell out of the team. And the following season, he's, he's obviously started the 3-0 game, the last of our old firm game. Um, Celtic Rangers at Celtic Park. And in the, the following season, the one where he sends his goal, his, he scored the opening goal in the 3-0 game. Uh, the one where he sent uh, Kyle Bartley down the flumes. That's right. That was his first goal of the season in 2012. 
that's an amazing fact. The fact mm-hmm. that you know he's, you know, well, we know him as now as, as a great goal scorer for us. His first goal of the season came on what was like the twenty third April, twenty ninth April. I remember that. It was there was um every almost every week if I remember right on Sky Sports before the, the games were kicking off. This was will this be Chris Coleman's week to break his duct? It was one of the ones that just kept going on and on and on. And then what a game he actually score. What a <laughs> goal scoring on. It was a screamer, man. But um, I just thought it was weird that he he hadn't scored that season because as a season guy you just associate with scoring goals and uh, and obviously scoring goals in big games and I think he was another one who when Dyla came in his performance levels dropped quite quite substantially and uh, he, I just don't think he ever took to Dyla did he? I don't think so no I don't he's one of the few that I know that it's kind of commonly thought that. Dialogue wasn't really respected at Celtic, but now that it's the dust is settling and people are, are actually talking more openly, more honestly about it, I think he was really respected at Celtic. But I think Chris Collins just couldn't be asked about it, to be honest. I think I, I agree. And we spoke about Charlie Mulgrew last week, and I sort of said about Charlie Mulgrew that I, I, I didn't think that reflected well on him, that he was openly challenging the manager in public about the diet and that sort of stuff. and you know, and Stokes did it as well, and I know that Commons did it in public during the game away to Mulder when he took him half for two minutes to go and we were chasing a goal when he started having a go at him on the bench in a sort of Andy Halliday style uh, manner. Um, I don't have any time for that stuff, and I don't care who your manager is. If you play for sale, you need to listen to the gaffer. Right. Uh, you need to be respectful of his position, if, if not the man himself. And I'm not saying that to sound like some brogue wearing, you know, South Sider, but like, I'm. Um, I just, I just think you need to be, you know what I mean. And, and Commons never did that, and I thought he let himself down. Uh, and and at the time as well, if you remember, he, he was playing for a new contract shortly after that. If you recall, in two thousand and fifteen, when we played against Rangers at Hamden, yeah, um, he he was just kind of falling out of the team, and Dyla wasn't really sure about giving him a new contract because he wasn't really sure, you know, what sort of fitness perform, you know, what sort of level he was going to get out of him. Um, and basically, the answer was he get he get nothing out of him. Um, he, he signed his new deal, gained half a stone, and never kicked his ass again for Celtic. <laughs> um, and and I'm sorry to say that because he was, he was at the club for six years, and as I say, six years of really playing for three of the seasons, so he got 65 goals for us. It's near a bad record, but uh, I just, I just, I'm not a fan of the, the man himself. If I'm entirely honest with you, but for 300 grand, you know, even to get the two, three seasons of him is you know, some signing for for three energies. Something else, man. You would sign that. You would, you would pay that for one season or something like these days. That I mean, the money. We paid a million pound for Robbie Keane's loan fund. Nice. So for, for six months, and he scored eleven goals. You know what I mean? So uh, you're right for that one season. You're, I think the club would, would bite your horn off. If you say you're going to get a twenty-seven goal striker next year for three hundred grand, but he's going back to his club after that. Celtic would be that in a minute. Definitely, it was hundred percent. Right. So what's your numero cinque? Uh, numero. Go ahead. I was going to say no, oh no, but it is. I suppose depending on what way you look at it. Uh, Lubo Moravchik. Oh, I couldn't not. I had a couple of newer purchases that uh, I could have put in there from more, from more uh, recent, but you can't can not talk about the, the little genius. Is it little genius to call him a little? Aye, little genius. Yeah. Purchased from uh, Duisburg in uh, 1998-99. Um, one of Dr. Joseph Vengos's friends, according to Hugh Keevans, just slaughtered, and that signing was absolutely slaughtered in the press before 
build up to the Rangers game. And then he turns up, nobody knows anything about him, and he's the best player other than Larson in the country, probably, <laughs> in terms of sheer raw football and ability. There's been nobody that I have probably ever seen that has been as two-footed as him. One of those guys that he would put a, take a corner off the one side, it'd get headed out at the other side, and then he'd go and take the corner off with the other foot <laughs> to the other side. Two in-swingers, man, right into the six-yard box with serious pace. Um, I unbelievable player, man. Like it was just such a. I know it's it's frequently said, but it's such a, a travesty that we got him in the the twilight of his career. Unfortunately, where we had to kind of nurse him through seasons and choose games that we, we are important to us to play him in instead of just getting him out there on the grass every week and letting every all the fans enjoy watching a player with such brilliance. Mm. Um, and he just, there was that time at, whenever we, we had a free kick, maybe half hour in and Luba was on the bench, you'd be like, ah, just bring him on. Just get, get bring, bring him on now and get that, get that smashed into the net. Because he was frightening for, for dead balls as well, man. Like, I I can't I cannot speak highly enough. I'm lucky that my, me and my dad had a book for those couple of seasons, and we, I got to see him in the flesh loads of times because that's it's football and education right there for you when you're when you are my age anyway, ten, eleven year old going to watch him. I did interview that Chuck Young after his Ibrox, uh, not after one of his first few games. How does it feel to be a relatively unknown and uh, come to Scotland and face on his focus and. Turns out that Lubomir Maravchik was the captain of the first ever Slovakian <laughs> national team and is like a sort of well-known um, well-known figure who Zidane had quoted as being the best the best player they played against in League One. Like, you know, the, the guys the guys are named Dane Chick Youngs. How's it feel to come for nothing to Celtic Park? And he's like, I need bother, mate. <laughs> you should uh, get that a swatch. Um, that Zidane quote is true, by the way. He said he's one of the best players he'd played against in, in League One when the two of them were there um, in, in the early 90s. And I always thought as well that it was a testament to his um, to, to his abilities that obviously Czechoslovakia separate into the Czech Republic and, and Slovakia that uh, uh, Pavel Nedved noted him as one of his heroes when he came to Glasgow with, with Juventus um, and, and saw his jersey after that game. Right. Um, so you, again, you can see the guys, you know, he, he was a sensation before he turned up um, and, you know, it just seems like how the world did we manage to get him when the whole world would you know when every, every club of the world would probably have would, would have wanted him, that's you know? a strange one so like in the before he, i don't know exactly what the script was it's just through looking at uh his wiki and just having a wee quick scour all out, uh, around the internet he only played five games for duisburg before he joined us that season like how frightening must duisburg have been if he's not getting anywhere near their first team or he's not getting any games like, what, what happened? <laughs> it's bizarre. Well, it worked it for us, didn't it? Absolutely. More than happy at that. Well chuffed. And see as well, we get 40, we get 40 games out from one of the seasons that he was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you liked him. And I, I've, just to kind of to kind of wrap this segment up, I always thought that he chucked it a year too early. I think if he'd have been around for the Seville run, it would have added a sort of dynamic to a midfield that we didn't really have. I'm telling, you, craft. I'm telling you what wouldn't have happened in the Seville run. What's that? Sean Maloney wouldn't have battered the free kick after the ball in the last minute. Don't talk about that, mate. <laughs> you need to stop bigging the up. <laughs> um, so should we finish off with a quick banter, banter years moment of the week? Aye, go for it. You want to go first or do you want me to go first? 
Um, I'll go first. I'm going to keep this nice and concise. I don't really want to spend too much time uh, talking about our brothers from across the city. Um, 7th of March 2015. Uh, on the 1st of March 2015, Hearts demolish Cowden Beef 10-0. One week later, Rangers play them to a 0-0 draw. <laughs> Good. I, that's another one I forgot actually happened. There's that many of them. Superb. Don't don't uh, don't uh, share too many of them. No. Um, if you got one there, uh, I have. Mine's just slightly less concise, but I I'm I'm going to go for it anyway. It's because it's good. It's a good one. Uh, I'm going to take you back to season 2013-2014. Rangers in League One, the third tier of Scottish football. And they've had no cup wins since their demotion as of yet. <laughs> enter the Ramsden's Cup. 32 lower league teams enter, one leaves. Uh, there's, in the Ramsden's Cup, there's five five rounds. And Rangers absolutely blast their way through every round, to be fair. They, they sweep everybody aside. Um, and then the final is Easter Road. Stage is set. Bear in mind, by the way, it's Easter Road at New even Hamden. <laughs> and I checked. I, there was no games on that weekend at Hamden. <laughs> uh, there was under 20,000 in attendance, but I think, to be fair, that's close. I think that's close to Easter Road's capacity. Mm. But still. <laughs> um, the first and only goal that was conceded by Rangers in that whole run was a 116th minute match winner Rovers <laughs> super super Scottish football journeyman striker John David Baird do you want to know oh. do you want to know the teams that John David Baird's played for <laughs> Clyde St Mirren Stenhouse Muir Montrose Brecon City Airdrie United Dundee Partick Thistle Rafe Rovers Queen of the South Falkirk Inverness Cali Greenock Morton and Forfer <laughs> And I watched. I actually watched the highlights back this afternoon. Ten minute highlight reel, and I swear to God, it's so good because it is one way traffic. They absolutely miss so many Rangers. This has missed so many good chances, mate. There is such a lack of quality in the final third for them. And their man Billy Elmogeny missed two headers. Point blank range for inside the six yard box, mate. Unopposed, they are shockers, they are harder to miss. I am the worst header of a football ever, and I'm telling you, I would have scored at least one of them. You're not worse Gary Caldwell, but I'll, I'll take that. The no. Rangers team that day, I've just had a quick search here. It was Cammy Bell, <laughs> Ricky Forster, Lee Wallace, Ian Black, Ian, Ian McCulloch. Aye. Is that his name? Lee McCulloch. It was Lee McCulloch. Why did I? Billy Moisney, Fraser Erd. <laughs> Hutton. What Hutton's that? The boy that's at the United now? Aye. Uh, Nicky Law, John Daly, and Seven is Smith. I don't know who that Smith is. Uh, Jamie Smith. No, that's the Stephen Smith, sorry. Stevie Smith, a left back. Aye. Um, well, good. Uh, they were mints. Um, and and, and the, <laughs> the goal that. The goal that um, Rafe Rovers scored was a comedy errors as well, which just made it even better, man. That Bilal Mojny falls there. Somebody else comes across to try and clear it and ends up hitting it. Half another Rangers player who thinks that it's a pass to him, who then knocks it into the path here. 
uh, Rafe Rovers player who smashes it after the goalie and then it's tapped in for the rebound. It is terrible, mate. Oh, they were booed at the end of the 90 minutes, never mind. <laughs> when it was 0-0, never mind to the end of the extra time. Superb, man. So, they're two seasons, two seasons in and they've no won a cup. Don't uh, don't don't say any more because there's, there's there's a lot of legs in this segment. I think definitely. I get a feeling this this could uh, this could go on for a while because they are the gift that keeps on giving. Aye, I thought and, they started, uh, starting on their first season in the lower league would be a bit bit easy. It's a shooting fish in a barrel. This one's a wee bit more. Aye, so good. Aye, enjoy. But aye, that's good. I'm going to enjoy this yeah, going forward. It's always good to to enjoy other people's uh, demise um, in some respects. Big time. Um, Aye, good. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add this week? Uh, no. I'd like to say a big thank you to all the key workers out there, including yourself. Thanks, mate. Keeping the lights on. Keeping the keeping the ball on the deck. Keep the ball on the um, deck, aye. Uh, there's, there's nothing really for Candy Corner this week, uh, if I'm being entirely honest with you. There's there's, there's nothing really that we're going to uh, need to announce. I was on a really interesting Rock Talk podcast yesterday with the club president, Stevie Mullen, where he speaks about... Uh, Rock Talk, the the club's mental health project, uh, and it was quite. It, it gained permission for some of the guys to share anonymously some of their stories, and it was quite dis- not distressing, but it was quite powerful to listen to. Um, and it and it actually was it was a couple of times when he was talking where I kind of forgot that I was doing a podcast with him, and I, I sort of found him looking at me like queuing me up to ask him the next question, and I you know I had they done it, and um, you don't realise sometimes when you're standing in the on the touchline at a football run that the people around you might be suffering some of the stuff that they, they, they noted and spoke about. And um, I, Rock Talk is a terrific initiative and you know, that's been sponsored well by, you know, Hoydy donated a, a good, you know, chunk of change to it a few weeks ago and stuff. got a lot of support and a lot of people uh, come along to it, you know, they get good crowds, but it's open there for anybody. And I would encourage anybody, you know, who feels that they could be doing me a bit of support to, to go and have a look at this at Rock's Twitter feed and, and it'll be pinned to the top eight for the next week. Get a listen and see if it's something that rings a bell with, uh, with you and whether or not it's something that you'd, you'd want to come along with because everybody and anybody's welcome. Aye. And it's and it's a, it's a terrific initiative and it's something that we're uh, we're keen to make sure that people make use of and and, uh, and get value from. Aye, good. Well, if there's anything that's worth the title Rock Talk that isn't the, the Rock Podcast, then it's something that's well wishing and is you know, beneficial as that. Here's hoping, mate. Aye, good. But anyway, we have uh, we've talked Aye, we're years on, after the night. Going on this time. We have pressed on the night, but it's been an enjoyable, it's been an enjoyable only on twenty minutes. Um, if you're still listening at this point, uh, I want you to text or tweet us the word SIBO um, to Rebel. What's it? What's the Twitter handle? At Rebel Radio. At Rebel Radio Sales. Um, so I thanks very much for your time. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next week with another top five and some smoking hot patter. 